Welcome to this podcast, where you can hear some of the classic teachings of Father Rick Thomas, a Jesuit priest who died in 2006 and who spent his life preaching the gospel and serving the poor. Listen in to his wisdom, insights, and humor. Let's begin by writing down those scriptures we'll look at. Philippians 4, 8, Obadiah 15, John 1, 45 to 51, John 7, 40 to 52, Psalm 32, 2, and Matthew 28, 1 to 8, and 11 to 15. To repeat, that's Philippians 4, 8, Obadiah 15, John 1, 45 to 51, John 7, 40 to 52, Psalm 32, 2, Matthew 28, 1 to 8, and 11 to 15. Let's begin today by closing our eyes and imagining a big warehouse like Sam's or some other place where there's all kind of material stored, cashway, lumber 88, or whatever. And in this storehouse, there's all kinds of building materials, bricks, wood, tools, glue, cement, and the sign on the side of the warehouse is God's building supply. Now, across the way from this warehouse, Imagine another warehouse, and it's big also, and it's full of all kinds of false and fake building materials, fake bricks, defective wood, false tools, defective glue, and so forth. And the sign on that warehouse is devil's building supply. Each owner of each warehouse invites everybody to come in and take anything they want or need free of charge. And what is in God's building supply is truth. What's in the devil's building supply is falsehood and both are free and each one decides which building supply they're going to patronize now with that with those two storehouses in your mind let's now turn to philippians 4 8 finally brothers fill your minds with everything that is true that's the jerusalem the new american your thoughts should be holy, that is completely, your thoughts should be completely directed to all that is true. So uh, God's advice to us through the, his word in Philippian is, in, in the epistle to the Philippians, direct your thoughts and your mind com- completely to that what is true that which is true or get in other words all your building 
supplies from God's building supply warehouse. What do we mean by truth or what is true? As we said before, truth in our mind is a correct measure when our mind can correctly measure something then we have truth in our mind if our mind cannot correctly measure something then we have falsehood in our mind so we can call truth a correct measure in the mind and truth in the body in the human body is words or actions that agree with what's in the mind then there's truth in speech or truth in action when the words that we say or the acts we do agree with our thoughts then we have truth in the body now i'm going to give you an example and ask you to come by the desk now and i'm going to put out three things i want you all to come up and examine each one and you decide for yourself which one you would use to you want to do some electrical work and you want to connect some things connect them together for electrical work and you decide which one of these things would be most suitable now as soon as you've examined it leave so the others can examine them <laughs> we have here in front of me three items one of them has is colgate toothpaste and it tastes nice in your mouth when you're washing your teeth the other one is uh, a pretty color has a nice design on it and it makes a nice noise and it might it's very attractive to some people find that quite attractive and would like to chew on it and so forth and the third one is a container, Penetrox electrical joint compound. And it tells you how to use it to join two things that you want electric current to flow through. All right, now, if your mind can measure things correctly, you would pick out this Penetrox as the material that you would need in your construction work with joining things to conduct a current. If your mind is not measuring things correctly, you would say, well, this is great, listen. That's just what I like. And this other one, Colgate, why well, it tastes wonderful and it makes me, makes my teeth look bright and I'll look lovely. Your mind is what measures the truth. And if your mind is working well then you can tell the difference between one thing and another and what is appropriate and what is true <laughs> and if your mouth and your body correspond to your thoughts then you have truth in your mouth and in your body so of these three items here one is true uh, connecting compound and the other two are not one is true, the other two are false. Now let's look at Obadiah 15. There is a scriptural principle here. As you have done, 
so will it be done to you. Your deeds will recoil on your own head. This has many applications, but it also applies to truth and falsehood. As you have done with your mind, so it will be done to you. Your deeds will recoil on your own head. If you have put falsehood in your mind, then that's going to recoil on you. As you have done to your mind, so it will be done to you. Your deeds will recoil on your own head. If you've put truth in your mind, truth will come back on your own head. If you've put falsehood in your mind, then falsehood will be done to you and your deeds will recoil on your own head. And I'm going to try to illustrate it from the scriptures momentarily. If I have deceived others, I will be deceived. Now let's look at John 1, 45 to 51 and see how this works out. Be better to start with uh, 43, verse 43 to 51. The next day, after Jesus had decided to leave for Galilee, he met Philip and said, follow me. Philip came from the same town, Bethsaida, as Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law, the one about whom the prophets wrote. He is Jesus, son of Joseph, from Nazareth. From Nazareth, said Nathanael. Can anything good come from that place? Come and see, replied Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming, he said of him, There is an Israelite who deserves the name, incapable of deceit. How do you know me, said Nathanael. Before Philip came to call you, said Jesus, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathanael answered, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus replied, you believe that just because I said I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. And then he added, I tell you most solemnly, you will see heaven laid open and above the Son of Man, the angels of God ascending and descending. Now, Nathaniel stored truth in his mind. So when Jesus sees him, he says, here is a man, an Israelite, incapable of deceit. Or in other translations, there's nothing false in him. And so Nathaniel had been using his mind just to store the truth. Look at Psalm 32.2. Happy the man whom Yahweh accuses of no guilt, whose spirit is incapable of deceit. And Jesus uses this description to describe Nathaniel. He is without deceit, incapable of falsehood, whose spirit is incapable of deceit. And he is declared by Yahweh happy. 
blessed. As soon as Jesus, Yahweh, sees Nathanael, he says, quoting uh, this verse, Nathaniel, he doesn't say this, but he implies it. Nathaniel, you're happy because you are incapable of deceit. There is no deceit in you. You have always chosen the truth. You have always gone to God's supply house to get your supplies. Back to John 1. Uh, when Philip finds Nathaniel in verse 45 he tells nathaniel we have found the one moses wrote about in the law the one about whom the prophets wrote he is jesus son of joseph from nazareth nathaniel gives it a, a response according to what he has in his mind from nazareth can anything good come from that place when nathaniel was saying this he was not speaking just from prejudice against Nazareth because it was a run-down, rinky-dink town. But the common teaching and lore at that time was that no prophet would come from Galilee. And if you will look over to at John 7, 40 to 52, that will be illustrated. Several people who had been listening said, surely, he, referring to Jesus, surely, Jesus must be the prophet. And some said, he is the Christ. But others said, would the Christ be from Galilee? Does not scripture say that the Christ must be descended from David and come from the town of Bethlehem? So the people could not agree about him. Some would have liked to arrest him, but no one actually laid hands on him. The police went back to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, why haven't you brought him in? The police replied, there's never been anyone who has spoken like him. So the Pharisees answered, you've been led astray as well? Have any of the authorities believed in him? Any of the Pharisees? This rabble knows nothing about the law. They are damned. One of them, Nicodemus, the same man who had come to Jesus earlier, said to them, but surely the law does not allow us to pass judgment on a man without giving him a hearing and discovering what he is about. To this they answered, Are you a Galilean too? Go into the matter and see for yourself. Prophets do not come out of Galilee. Now, Nathaniel knew all this common lore, this common idea that Prophets do not come out of Galilee. And so when Philip tells Nathanael, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law, the one about whom the prophets wrote, he comes from Nazareth, he responds right away from what he's learned and been taught, nothing good or no prophet comes out of Galilee, and hence no prophet comes out of Nazareth. And Philip's reply to him is, come and see. Nathaniel's open to the learning something new, so he comes and sees. And we can contrast that with the answer given to Nicodemus in chapter 7. Nicodemus says, we should uh, investigate this man. We shouldn't pass judgment on him without giving him a hearing and discovering what his, he is about.
And the answer from his fellow intellectuals is, are you a Galilean too? Go into the matter and see for yourself, prophets do not come out of Galilee. Actually, Jonah came, the prophet Jonah came from Galilee, but they had forgotten about that. But anyway, the leaders had not chosen to have the truth only in their mind. And other things were more important. Their standing and the things that they loved were more important than the truth. But not so with Nathaniel. And Nathaniel is going to go see Jesus. And as soon as he gets there, Jesus says, here is a man incapable of deceit. And Nathaniel's answer is, how do you know me? And Jesus, using his supernatural knowledge, says, oh, I saw you under the fig tree. And just this uh, exchange convinces Nathaniel now, and he makes a declaration that Jesus is the Messiah. And that's what he says in verse 49, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Now, these are messianic titles. Nathaniel is the first one to recognize Jesus as a Messiah. And that right off the bat, because he had no deceit in his mind. He was incapable of deceit. He was happy and blessed, and soon... As Jesus spoke to him, he knew and declared openly, Jesus is the Messiah. Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Nathaniel is rewarded because he has always dealt in the truth. He is rewarded by uh, immediate faith in Jesus, which will be deepened as he associates more with Jesus, but his first contact with Jesus is he says this is the Messiah. Uh, this is far more than Philip had said. Philip said he's uh, the prophet Moses spoke about. And Nathaniel, when confronted with Jesus, his mind is so full of truth that he, he leaps further than Philip and he says he is the Messiah. Now, this is a tremendous reward for uh, Nathaniel. And it's, if you contrast that with the attitude of the police <clears throat> that went to arrest Jesus in chapter 7, they said he's a great speaker. And when they came back and reported to the authorities that they didn't arrest him for that reason, they just mocked the police. Are you one of his believers? Only the rabble, the people without any brains, the ones without any educations, the only ones that accept him. Have any of the big shots accepted him? And so they're not arguing from the truth, they're arguing from peer pressure or uh, mockery. And so to Nicodemus, when Nicodemus says, well, let's look at the thing carefully, they again, their answer is mockery rather than examining the truth. Now, when Jesus says to Nathaniel 
in verse 48, Nathanael says, How do you know me? And Jesus answered, Before Philip came to call you, I saw you under the fig tree. Now Jesus is using supernatural knowledge here. And the fig tree could be, he was out eating figs, or another meaning is that he was studying scripture because when you that's where they studied scripture under the fig tree and it ties in it would be a symbolic way i saw you when you were studying the law which was commonly done under the fig tree which would be nice and shady and cool so i saw you when you were studying the law and nathaniel knew the law and he filled his mind with truth and so he could recognize Jesus as the Messiah right off the bat. And in verse 51, Jesus promises him that he will have greater revelation. And then he added, I tell you, and this is plural, that includes us also, I tell you most solemnly, you will see heaven laid open and above the Son of Man, the angels of God ascending and descending. And as, so as we fill our mind with truth, we prepare ourselves to receive more and more of God's truth, more and more of God's revelation. And that's his, Jesus' answer on this promise to Nathaniel. You will have more and more truth, more and more revelation. And it's put here in the plural to include us also. Now, reflect back on Philippians 4, 8. Finally, my brothers, fill your minds with all that is true or dedicate your thoughts in completely to what is true because then you are prepared for more truth and more reward. And reflect now on Obadiah, what you have done to your mind will be done to you. Your deed will come back on your own head. Now, we, we will look at a reverse example in Matthew 28, 1 to 8, and 11 to 15. After the Sabbath, <clears throat> towards dawn on the first day of the week, Mary of Magdala and the other Mary went to visit the sepulcher. And all at once there was a violent earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled away the stone and sat on it. His face was like lightning, his robe white as snow. The guards were so shaken, so frightened of him, that they were like dead men. But the angel spoke, and he said to the women, There's no need for you to be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said he would. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead, and now he is going before you to Galilee. It is there you will see him. Now I have told you. Filled with awe and great joy, the women came quickly away from the tomb and ran to tell his disciples. And on to verse 11. While they were on their way, some of the guard went off into the city to tell the chief priests all that had happened. These held a meeting with the elders and after some discussion, handed a considerable sum of money to the soldiers with these instructions. This is what you must say. His disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. And should the governor come to hear of this, we undertake to put things right with him ourselves, 
and to see that you do not get into trouble. The soldiers took the money and carried out their instructions. And to this day, that is the story among the Jews. Neither the soldiers nor the chief priests are dealing in the truth. They don't want to know the truth because the truth would be embarrassing. They want to save face. The soldiers, because they're going to get this money and the chief priests have promised that they won't get in trouble for neglecting to do their job and saying that they're asleep on the job, they choose to go along with the lie because they need the money or want the money. In buying into this deceit, both the chief priests and the guards cut themselves off from belief in the resurrection. They cut themselves off from faith. They cut themselves off from knowing who Jesus really is. They cut themselves off from salvation. And by spreading all this around, they cut everyone else off who believes them from belief, faith, and salvation. And so verse 15 tragically says, to this day, this is the story among the Jews. And they have taken material from the devil's supply house and all the things built with that material will crumble and have no value. Um, Matthew 28, verses 11 through 15, hear that um, the chief priests are being paid up. I mean, the guards are being paid up by the chief priests. And both of them, they seem to sound like salesmen. And they're deceiving the people from, the, from knowing Christ and salvation. And they are the salesmen in the building materials house of the devil. What are different ways to fill your mind with the truth? Well, I think uh, the first way is to make a decision for truth. That truth is more important than anything else. And when uh, we've made a decision for truth, that I want truth, I love truth, I accept truth, and I won't accept anything else, then our uh, we, we exclude automatically uh, things that are false or deceitful. And so we put a shield before our mind and screen out what is false. Now, if we've made a decision for, uh, I want a good reputation, or I want to look good and be accepted by my friends, then uh, we've screened out the truth and letting in those things that will make me, I think will make me look good and so forth and so on. And so if we make a decision of money over truth, then we screen out the truth and would let in those things that will uh, help me get money or uh, popularity or whatever is going to be my, uh, something that I value, a value uh, greater than truth. So the, the uh, first way to fill the mind with truth is to <clears throat> make a decision that that's 
what I'm going to deal with and nothing else. And uh, that will screen out the rest and we'll be looking for truth wherever it is. And it's interesting in that reading for Philippians, it says, fill the mind with everything that is true because uh, those are the building blocks that God is going to use to reveal himself and uh, that's how God works on truth. And true science, as contrasted with false science, builds on truth. And so you, uh, someone who is truly an honest scientist will, he'll be open to the truth wherever he finds it unless he's been preconditioned to not seek the truth in some areas. So that the mind would not be satisfied with anything that's not the truth. And in the example that I gave here with these three items, if you say, well, I, what's important to me is for me to look pretty, and so I'm going to get this Colgate, and that will make me look, my mouth look pretty. Well, the, uh, the material we were supposed to select would not be something to make me look pretty, but something that would be good in construction in this electrical work that would conduct electricity and and be uh, apt for that. And so, well, that's not important to me. Look pretty is important. And I also like the flavor of Colgate. It tastes better than this other stuff. And I can eat this instead of candy. I can eat Colgate. <laughs> and somebody else would say, well, I don't care about that, but this is a pretty color. And, I, and it, it's, it makes a nice squeaky noise. And I like that. So it's whatever your values are. And so uh, Nathan, excuse me, Nathaniel, had made a decision to find the truth. And he found it quickly. Boy, when he was confronted with Jesus, he confessed that he was Messiah right off the bat because his mind was conditioned for truth. Does that answer your question? I was struck how it's part of the armor of God in Ephesians 6, 14, it says, so stand your ground with truth buckled around your waist. And it's part of the basic equipment of a Christian, and it's necessary for our protection. It's the basic equipment of a warrior that's described here. Truth is buckled around, so it can't fall off. Yeah, I was kind of thinking that um, if I filled my life with a bunch of lies and deception, and I constantly kept recalling my own mind with my own deception and lies, I will be filled with a bunch of untruthfulness. And the only way that I can get, let the truth in if I wanted to change and become a Christian is I must get all of the old stuff out so that I can let the new in. Now let's go back to the two warehouses, uh, God's building supply and the devil's building supply. And let's suppose that somebody went to the devil's building supply and got a fake brick. And with the fake brick, he put it in his house. And the, the fake brick looked nice, but it wasn't made out of uh, brick material. It was made out of tissue paper or something. And so now as uh, that brick is placed in there, it's a false brick made out of tissue paper. When weight is put on it, of course, it's going to crumble and not sustain the weight. And uh, this is 
what happens when we deal in falsehood at all, it will not stand. It won't. It simply won't stand up. It can't be built on it. And that's all the devil can use is falsehood to build. And any time he can get us to build with falsehood of any kind, he, he wins because that thing is going to collapse. It will not stand. Uh, Ellen quoted Ephesians 6.14. This translation says, So stand fast with your loins girded in truth. And if there's one area that our society refuses to acknowledge the truth in, it's human sexuality. We refuse to acknowledge, for instance, that AIDS is, AIDS is a behavioral disease, and so we're trying to find, and we're spending millions and millions of dollars for a cure, but we won't say, change your behavior and line it up with God's uh, truth. Uh, and that's true in the whole area of human sexuality. Condoms is the answer. We can't tell people to be chaste or faithful to their spouses or anything like that. And so our loins are not girded in truth. And I think this is, seems to be a particular uh, place where the devil likes to attack us. I think we ought to execute uh, Psalm 32 too. Man. In whose spirit is no deceit. In whose spirit is no deceit. Happy is the person. Happy is the person. In whose spirit is no deceit. In whose spirit is no deceit. Happy is the person. Happy is the person. In whose spirit is no deceit. In whose spirit is no deceit. Happy is the person. Happy is the person. In whose spirit is no deceit. In whose spirit is no deceit. Happy is the person. Happy is the person. For listening. To learn more about Father Thomas, go to fatherrickthomas.com. God bless you and have a beautiful day.